myself, I had cancer. I couldn't get away from it. the fact that I could be dying. Couldn't get out of my head, I had cancer. I could be thinking of death. Friday evening, I finishing off a job in Sligo and I get a phone call from Galway Hospital to say there's a bed available. And I says, right, okay. Oh, Jesus, I have a match on Sunday. And I says, right, I think of this quick now. He says, yes, I can come up to the hospital on Friday. Can I do a bit of shopping on Sunday because I'll have no, no clothes with me? We're playing Ballymahan on a Sunday afternoon. And like I said, me and football are, are, are twins. Like me and G are twins. Like it's my drug. Like, and if I don't have it, I am, I'm, I'm a lost soul. So that's grand. I had me bag packed off for the week's stay in the hospital. I had me bag packed off for the match on Sunday. I went down and I got me bed on that, that Friday evening. And Sunday morning came and I was going to put my plan into action. I said to the nurse, I'm going downtown to do a bit of shopping in front of commas. And uh, they said, that's no problem. The doctor says you can do that. So I signed a bit of paper and I hopped in the car and I drove down from Galway to Ballymander to play the match. Martin McHugh is a Gaelic footballer from Achnashilan in County Leitrim. He has played football from his childhood up to and including the age of 52. He is perhaps the most famous goalkeeper ever to play for his county and has won Connacht under-21 and senior championship medals. Martin has recently written a book about his life and times entitled Born to Save. His exploits on the football field can be matched by the drama of his life story. He has had two cancer episodes in his life, the first which resulted in the removal of one of his testicles, while the second resulted in him receiving treatment for prostate cancer. Martin's love of life and indeed Gaelic football was closely linked and indeed dovetailed with his treatment for cancer. I must say he was a very enjoyable man to be with. And I used to look forward to going to training every week and he'd come in and he'd be full of beans. He'd be the first man out on the field doing his bit of laps and getting ready for training. Because that time when I joined, goalkeepers weren't expected to be, to be as fit as the rest of the team. But he changed that. It's November 2022 when I meet Martin in the Landmark Hotel in Carrick and Shannon. Today he is preparing to give a talk on men's health to employees, male and female, later at the Revive Active, an award-winning health supplement producer. Martin starts our conversation by explaining why he gives these health talks. I think most men out there is, is the whole macho thing. Like, I'm a man and I feel great. You know, a lot of men could be coughing, could have a pain in the back, could have a, a sore shoulder, and normally what we normally do is take some antibiotics and some tablets and pass it off. But we don't know because my own case, like for having cancer the first time, I, I only found it lump in my groin. And then after a few checkups and operations, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And then a couple of years later, I was diagnosed, diagnosed with prostate cancer. And that's a definitely a silent killer because we don't know the signs to, unless you're peeing all night. And sometimes men can put that down to having a few, few pints on a Saturday night. So when I give out these talks, I just give my own story on the awareness of cancer in men because these lumps and bumps are there for a reason. If it's checked up and it's nothing, that's great. But if it's something, it can be nailed dearly. Declan Loftus is a semi-retired GP in Drumshambo in County Leitrim. As well as having ran a successful GP practice in the Leitrim town for many years, he also worked as Leitrim GAA team doctor. He says young males that play a sport sometimes feel that they are invincible when it comes to being sick. Declan says the fact that Martin is sharing his experience of cancer will act as a catalyst for others to pursue health checks and not ignore warning signs. That's what we've been trying to do for years and years. If you can get a big player to come out and say that he's got this and what he had to go through it and get it sorted, it's a great help to all the other young men. Because as you say, sadly, young men think there's nothing wrong with them. And when they're playing football and healthy, they think that nothing will get them. I know when Martin came with his illness, 
there had to be something wrong because he wouldn't come unless there was something wrong with him. It was great to get somebody like him and it's great that he can go around and talk to the other players and encourage them to examine themselves or go and get examined if they think that there's something wrong. Martin achieved hero status with many football teams. He won club championships with his native club Achnashilin and Clungish and Longford. Like so many GAA heroes, Martin is accessible and approachable. In other words, many people can relate to him, something which makes it easier for them to talk to him, especially when they know the health obstacles that he has overcome in recent years. There's a colleague at work, like, and he talked to me about uh, what he went through. I thought he was going to talk about me, but lo and behold, he's talking about himself. I thought that was a huge step for him because he's a real man, he's a macho man and it's his way or no way and he found that very difficult to talk to me about that. So that's why I do give these little talks to get it out there. You know, the biggest thing for any man to do is, look, I found something wrong, can, can somebody look at it? That's the biggest step. You know, there is help out there if there's something found. Uh, there is help out there for individuals you know, because people think as you're on your own. We're not on our own. First of all, you have the help of, your help of support and family. Sometimes your friends, you sometimes can be your neighbours because men don't really talk to the loved ones first. They might talk to a colleague from the pub. I say, hey, Paddy, I, I have a problem here. That's the first step. So that's why I, I try to get out there. It's not um, a whole taboo thing. It's just make that first step. And my first talk was to the uh, TYs in St. Phelan's College of Ballinamore, a school of winter. The night before, I was taking down notes and getting conflustered and I tore up the page and took more notes and threw tore up the page again. I said, you know what, the hell with it. Just tell it as it is. And when I went to, to St. Phelan's College that day, I got great views after. And I'm heading there in a couple of weeks' time again as my sixth year in a row. For me, myself, I love telling the story and I love getting it off my chest. It's not just uh, facts and figures and percentages this and percentages that. It's about my life or what I went through. The whole emotional ride of first being diagnosed with cancer, thinking of death, being at the pearly gates of heaven ready to die because I was so sick and all that. And then the GA came into where it saved me life. And then being diagnosed again, as I said to myself, here we go again. But I love telling the story in such a way like there is light at the end of the tunnel. Your talks come from the heart. This is a personal experience delivered by Martin McHugh in his words, in his style. I'd be lucky if I didn't know to turn on a computer. And if I was looking at screens and all that and pointing out this and pointing out that, I would get, I would get confused myself. Uh, I just stand up and I tell people before I start, is, this is a story, this is the way it is. There's no facts to figure out, this is life. There's a lot of laughter in, in, it, in it, as in the way things happen to me, like going to a doctor one time and being checked out by a couple of males and a couple of females. Like, you know, sometimes it can be embarrassing, but it was a laugh as well, like, you know, because certain things happen. But we leave that for people to read that in the book. You're married for 50 15, 20, 25 years and you have to go to the doctor. There's no way out, you have to go to the doctor. And you go in and you open the door and the first person you see is a female doctor. And sometimes that can be nerve-wracking because you with your, your partner or your wife for 15, 20 years, next thing you have a strained ind- individual going to put your hands on you. Now, me, myself, I work in the Sligo Hospital and I've been there, done that that sometimes you have to look at the females, you have to look at the males, and sometimes it can be embarrassing. But there's a whole um, decency about it, like, you know, we, we talk to the people first and all that, and so this is what I'm going to do. And if you want somebody else, that's no problem. Like, there are options out there. You know, I think sometimes if, if a male has to ring and go see a doctor, then they have the option of, you know, is there a male or a female? And if it's male, that's fine and good. Now, sometimes seeing a male can be embarrassing too, because you don't want a man's hands rubbing down your back or down your, your button all that and sometimes that can be evasive as well like look everybody's very professional out there and there's a lot of um, decent
decently about it, you know. Martin has dabbled in coaching and management as well as keeping his playing interests going, despite, as he says himself, being the wrong side of 50. When you think of goalkeepers, you think of big, tall, imposing, physical specimens. And when they come out to close down the angle, daylight disappears. Well, Martin is not quite, shall we say, six foot tall. Pop could be dangerous if the goalkeeper doesn't come out. Galvin came in. The goalkeeper may be a little bit slow in coming out, may be short in inches as well. Galvin was in, got the hand to it, but it went outside the upright and wide. A dangerous type of ball from Desi Farrell there, the one that a goalkeeper will often be caught between two minds. Should I go? Should I stay? Should I beat it to the hop or should I wait for the hop? It worked out okay for Leitrim. Now comes the kick out to Martin McHugh. Dr. Declan Loftus, however, had concerns about Martin's physique when he first laid eyes on him back in late 1993. I thought, he's no bigger than I am. But it wasn't long until he proved me wrong and he, he so dedicated to his job. He was so, so acrobatic and he was so fast off his lines and everything else. From there on he progressed and it wasn't long until he made the, the senior team and he really proved his worth after that. One thing I remember about him mostly was the directions that he gave to his backs. He was forever shouting at them and everybody was on their toes when he was behind them. But then at the back of that, he was a wonderful character. He was always ready for a bit of crack. Slagged the players a lot, and of course he got a fair bit back. He was so dedicated to his job, as I said, he'd be first man there every night, really got into the training. As a GP, as a doctor, you would have um, had Martin as a patient, and he's overcome so many health battles as well. And again, what you've described in his character as a goalkeeper, he probably brought that character, that spirit, into overcoming those health challenges. Yeah, I remember when he came in 2009 and he had the problem and he went to Sligo and was diagnosed with the cancer. And he came back to me. But knowing the kind of a man he was, I knew that he wouldn't give up. That he'd fight this to the last. And he would win. He did make great progress and he did beat it. But sadly, it came back again and, well, he got a different type of cancer in 2015. But that was no different. He got it very early. So I knew that he was in with a great chance to beat that as well. And he did. But I know that it took a lot out of him, and the treatment is very hard. So it is, and he had a young family. I'm trying to keep the football going and keep an interest in it. He was a wonderful man. It is great to see him at it, and he's so so interested in it, and he's mad to play. And I think he'll be at it up at least 70 if he, doesn't, <laughs> if he, if he can play, because it, he has such interest. The Leitrim team that won the Connacht Senior Football Championship in 1994 will be forever remembered in the history books of GAA in the county. Leitrim were managed for that magnificent triumph by the Mayo native John O'Mahony, who would later go on to manage Galway to All-Ireland titles at senior level in 1998 and 2001. The 93-94 season was John O's second in charge of Leitrim, and despite concerns over Martin's perceived lack of height, he knew that his new goalkeeper for the start of that season had plenty of other qualities that would make him an outstanding success. When you got to know Martin's personality, nothing was going to stop him from being the best that he could be at what he did. Every day and every training session he came into, he maximised what he could get out of it. And I suppose from a management point of view, that's a dream situation to be in. At that time, back in the era when I was managing Leitrim, 
there wasn't any such thing as goalkeeping coaches. We, we had goalkeeping drills and Ollie Honeyman and Joe Rills, who were with me, would take him maybe at a period during the training session. It wasn't as sophisticated as modern setups would be. If it was doing laps or shuttles or sprints or whatever it was, he wanted to try and win every one of them. And, you know, it was an example, if you like, to other players there as well. And it was brilliant that he was in that never uh, shirking what he... What what needed to be done and he perfected everything that was good about his goalkeeping as well in the sense that he'd be the first to arrive at training he'd be there a few you know half an hour beforehand and sometimes even after training as well so there was nothing left undone with Martin and it wasn't a surprise because he had to I think as he said himself like we had um, Tomás Quinn and Martin Pryor and there was other goalkeepers there he just wanted to push himself forward as best he could. The people that said that Leitrim would be stage struck and that they'd be this and that, well, I think they're mistaken. Leitrim passed of the ancient charity of Breffney. It was Breffney heroic and the cavern part was Breffney O'Reilly. And out comes the ball past the centre of the field. Exactly 29 years ago, the Leitrim Senior Football Panel were about to embark on a season that would define their legacy. It's worth remembering that in winning the Connacht Championship in 1994, Leitrim had to defeat the traditional big three in the province, Roscommon, Galway and Mayo. Martin put the secret of that success down to the physical training that helped to build character in the entire squad. It's remembered what we did to achieve that because like the training we did behind the scenes between Strand Hill and Forest Park and we meet up in Kells for the Lazar base in Dublin like you know and any laps and sprinting and hill running I had to do it as well. I was probably the fittest goalkeeper in Ireland those days. Always wanted to play in goals even in a schoolyard and at underage level, club level and then playing with the men's team. I always wanted to be a goalkeeper but being the goalkeeper like you know I just knew myself I was good. But when it got called into the senior panel, I knew I had to try and be number one by pushing out Martin Pryor and Thomas Quinn, who were the keepers at the time. But I just kept my head down and said nothing and, and, and knuckled really hard. Like, you know, whatever John wanted, we all did. And I tried to push myself really hard. And a lot of times, I, in the long runs and the sprints, I was either first, second or third. How much of a help was it, Martin, that you were on a successful under-21 team that won a Connacht Championship just, what, three years before that? Yeah, 91 under PJ Carroll, uh, I was on a panel in 1990 season and we got to the Connacht final. Being on that panel and winning a Connacht title at a day on a junior level really helped me to really push more for the senior le- the senior level. Roscommon were the big enemy. They had an Indian sign over Leitrim up until 1994. Tell me about that game. It must have been, I suppose, a, a match that had so much riding on it. Yeah, when the draw was made early, early in the year, like we knew we had a, a hard road ahead of, ahead of us. Like, you know, and John always says, if you're going to win a county title, we'll do it the hard way. I was working in a factory in Hanley's in Ruski. There's local rivalry. You have Roscommon and Leitrim workers there. Now, that Friday evening now, there was Roscommon full assured they're going to beat us because I think they better the year before. We knew we had to work on. We still had to go and perform. And arriving up at, at Hyde Park that day, and, and there was, oh, there was hundreds and hundreds of supporters there like and a lot from Leitrim like you know that's when the nerves really kicked in for a few years past uh, Leitrim would always seem to concede a silly goal just before half time and I remember making a save against Don Cannell and just before half time that brought us in the, in the first half uh, leading by two three points so the save at that point of the game was very very important in the game against Galway Martin you drew in Carrick and Shannon and you had to go back over to Toome Stadium and Leitrim beat them for the second year running in Toome 
the draw game in, in, in Carrick was a tough affair we didn't play their full potential at all but again as usual and not for the first time Declan Darcy helped us because uh, I think his last kick um, levelled the game and the game was over we did do the whole lot again in uh, Chum Stadium where we were there the year before we all thought that um, because we bet them the year before Gaul weren't, weren't going to let that happen again and we bet them again and we ended up in a Connacht final So the 1994 Connacht Senior Football Final was to be contested between Mayo and Leitrim at the very start of the game disaster struck when Leitrim conceded a goal that came about after Martin and the all-star fullback from that year Seamus Quinn failed to prevent a free ending up in the Leitrim net. The then Leitrim manager John O'Mahony says once again Martin and Seamus showed real strength of character in recovering from that mistake to go on and play their parts in what was to be a famous day for Leitrim GA. He bought into the mental approach that we were took at that time. We had a psychologist working with us, Bill Cogan. You know, every scenario, like the modus operandi for Leitrim at that time was, you know, that they need to do everything better than everyone else because they had, you know, restricted numbers, a small county and all, all, all the rest of it. But to use that to their, to their advantage, and I suppose we would have discussed in advance of all those big games, like what happens if there's a setback? How do you react to it? It's not so much the setback, but it's how do you react to it? And you react to it by going for the next ball and putting it out of your mind and getting rid. And it, that's exactly what they did. And I mean, interviews that were given afterwards, uh, Martin quipped, I think, at the time that he wanted to give Mayo a chance. But... I, I, I think the real response from both himself and Seamus Quinn on, on the day were, well, look at if we concede a goal after 40 seconds or whatever it was, doesn't it give us uh, 69 minutes to put it right? They looked on the positive side of it and, and Martin epitomised that. It just showed the holistic preparation, if you like, mm-hmm. that Martin you know, and, and all his teammates had instilled into them and had accepted and bought into and that ended in, in, in the triumph that came at the end of the match. A lot of water has passed under the bridge since then, but Martin McHugh is still tagging out and is still a member of football squads in Leitrim. The longevity of his career in sport and his success in overcoming cancer can be attributed to his passion for Gaelic football, according to his former inter-county manager. Nothing is unusual with Martin in the sense that he he loved being doing what during the period you know when we were competing in Division Two and competing for winning Connacht championships. I think the biggest tribute you could pay to Martin is that he 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 played right through with Dr. Sheelan and with you know other clubs and he managed clubs and he coached goalkeeping coaches he loved an involvement in the sport and I think it's one of the things that he talked about when he had the challenge of taking on if you like diagnosis of, of cancer you know in the sense that he, he took on that challenge as well and, and sport helped him through that period he's still still involved e- even today in, in Ocken Sheelan's victory in, in 2022 it doesn't surprise me knowing the character that he he just loves this involvement and it has been a, a vehicle for him I suppose to I- illustrate how he takes on challenges in life and 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 they all have been difficult challenges and the health the health challenge above anything you know coming and the way that he had to, to beat it off a couple of times is a tremendous credit to his, his personality I never saw him being insulted by anything that was said about him you know and that was what 
made his character really he was able to take it and when we say able to take it he has taken the challenges in life that have been thrown at him as well his involvement as a player will will have to come to an end at some stage especially maybe when he gets the free travel later on or whatever <laughs> everything that he's done in his life epitomised uh, what the man is about yeah, Peter Pan of Legion Football Absolutely, and Peter Pan of the G in general. I, I mean, I'm not sure that anyone of anyone else that has played continually over those periods uh, to such a level that Martin has done. Leitrim went on to play Dublin in the All-Ireland Senior Football semi-final of 1994. The boys in blue won that game, and unfortunately for Leitrim and their magnificent supporters, the fairy tale ended. It was a day that Martin has mixed feelings about. He confesses now... It was a day and a game that passed him by. We took the same approach like we did against Scum and Galway and Mayo. Worked really hard on the different scenarios and different matchups and all that, you know. And we knew we were up against a good team, but leaving the hotel that morning to go to Crow Park, we had a guard escort and we were stopped. We went through every single red light, which was great, like, you know. But when you turn down towards Crow Park, you just had there were thousands of Leighton supporters. And that's when the nerves really kicked in and getting off the bus and being focused but I think to this day for myself as over focused I was concentrating too much in the game like I think it's one game that really passed me by one way it's great for the supporters to actually get a, a day out in Crow Park relive it again I would uh, definitely enjoy the game more yeah I was just going to ask you that what would you have done differently just enjoy the game just just relax because I was just so piped up I was piped up for the other games in Connacht but I, I was piped up and focused I think this time was, I was over piped up when I was walking behind the band the band that prayed around the, the, the lap of the field before the game started I didn't I don't think I took my eyes off the ground when the game was on uh, there was still jelly in my legs to fight ten minutes into the game but they went away eventually you know it's just one of those games that I just wish I'd done things differently What was it like playing in front of the hill? Oh. <laughs> I don't know, the Hill 16 looked they were grand, or the, the glass, the Roscommon supporters behind Hyde Park. I think I will take Hill 16 first, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, Little bit uh, more abuse from the Rosses. Uh, yeah, well, look, there was some, some mouthing going on, but look, it's, it's, it's the Hill, like, you know, so they're a different, they're different crowd altogether. You made some good saves as well. I did, yeah. I still went through the, the, done my job and all that, you know, and my kickers went really well. Like. Just one of those days and occasions that you'll remember forever, like, you know, because um, it's one of my, my, my fond memories of playing in Crow Park. Your inter-county career with Leitrim continued on right up until 1999, would it be right in saying? 98-99? Yeah, 98-99, yeah. Was it a difficult decision to leave it behind at that stage? When you're with PJ Carlo with under-21s, when PJ took over, it was we went from normal training to severe training, um, more organised, professional about it and all that. And and then when John took over, it's risen to another level, like, you know, and then you had... After Jono, you had um, Bonner from Donegal to had a year at Peter McGinnity. And it wasn't the same as Jono's level, and no offence to the rest of them, because uh, Jono had a really high level. And, you know, things were slipping by, and, you know, and I wasn't happy the way things were going. I don't think I'm the Roy Keane of the soccer I am with Gaelic, but things weren't going right. And could I see us reaching the kind of final of those days again? I don't know, but I just, I think my body had enough. At around lunchtime, we arrived at the Revive Active Facilities in Mullingar, where Martin is due to give his talk. There, we meet with Jane Tohill, who is head of people and projects with the company. Jane is also a sister of the Derry All-Ireland winner from 1993, Anthony Tohill. As Martin prepares to set himself up to deliver his talk, Jane explains to me why they have invited him to speak 
to their staff. People tend to sort of not look after themselves. The, the key thing for us is that our staff understand what testicular cancer is, what prostate cancer is, and how to detect it. Martin Shearn has experience with our staff. will encourage not just their male members of staff, but also our female members of staff with their husbands, with their brothers, with their fathers, to talk about prostate cancer, uh, to talk about testicular cancer, and for the men themselves then to talk amongst themselves, to grow awareness and to get themselves checked out. How vital is it for companies to be proactive in encouraging workers, employees to do things like this? So work forms a big, big part of your life. So I think it's crucial that employers look after the well-being of their staff, increase their awareness amongst their staff of things like testicular cancer and prostate cancer, because you're in work for 30 plus years of your life. Um, and those are the years, a lot of those years, you're going to be really, really healthy. And other years as you get older, maybe, or even you can get cancer at any stage of your life, you need to have the awareness. You need to, you need to drive that forward. Employers have a responsibility, as well as the medical teams. And it's crucially important for employers to encourage their employees to be to be aware of their of their health. For well over 90 minutes, Martin tells his story in his own unique way. The closing part of the talk involves interaction and a Q&A session with the workers. Yeah, no, I just wanted to say well done mm-hmm. because it, it was a lot of humour thrown into it and a lot of graphic detail, <laughs> which does add to it. And it, it, it takes probably a lot of the fear away. Or, you know, people can approach it. You know, obviously... There's lots of us here, I presume one in three or one in four, whatever the statistics are, will, will get cancer or something. Bring people into your life mm. and uh, it, it, work it out. Yeah, it, you're not on your own. Mary one and Mary two both had cancer. Mary one was my neighbour back home, uh, lung cancer. And she was she was afraid to donate, but she was going for chemo. I went and see her one day, this long before I worked in hospital. I went and say hello to her and all that. And we take her for a flag. I said, you're, 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 you're Oh, what's what what what's the problem with you? You know what I mean? I went up anyway. I was Dr. Phil. I would ask some questions galore and all that, you know. Full of chat and when I got back in the ward and I think she passed away for two weeks after that. And I went to the house and all that and what did you say to Mammy that night? Well we just general chit chat and everything, you know. Well she never stopped bragging about you. And I know she passed passed on a happy woman. Martin's talk and advice was well received by all the workers, as Colm Horton explained to me after it had finished. The talk was very good. Uh, it was very entertaining. You know, there was a large room of people and Martin kind of managed to hold everybody's attention for well over an hour. And it came from a completely different slant to what we would normally expect. It wasn't medically focused. It was more focused on one man's experiences, how it hit him, how he battled it and how he's come out the other side. But I think it's actually the fact that he didn't use slides and he didn't use screens is what actually kept everybody captivated and had everybody listening and and, and indeed laughing along with him. It's somewhat personal for us here because we've had one of our own co-workers who has come through her own battle with cancer in the last 12 months. Indeed, she was in listening to the conversation. So it's visited our doorstep and our own founder, CEO of the business is in the middle of his own battle with cancer. So we're very aware of it it's landed on our door and uh, you know we want to know we 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 want as much information as possible because we want to make sure that we keep ourselves as healthy as we can 
Martin has gone through two battles with cancer during his life. The first was back in 2009. At this stage, Martin had transferred to Clongish, the home club of the Longford legend Paul Barden. Indeed, they were normally a competitive team in both the county and Leinster Provincial Championships. of Clonkish and St. Bridges in the Leinster Senior Football Club Championship semi-final. The referee in the centre of the field is Pat Fox. Pat Fox, the referee from Westmead, had awarded the penalty from the penalty spot against Paul Kane, the goalkeeper for the St. Bridges side. Let's see what Barden can do with this one. He steps up, he's going to strike it right footed and he sends it to the back of the net. Opportunity for Kenneth Darcy, making inwards, shot comes in and a goal! A goal for St. Bridges! And that could well be a turning point in the game. It was a sequence of events in 2009 while feeling the effects of a tough training session where Martin first was alerted of a possible health problem. I was um, getting ready for the season 2009. Um, I was playing with Clungish and at this stage you know, I was 39 years old. You're trying to do training, uh, trying to keep up with lads half your age. So I had to do extra training. So after a session and a, and a running, running session in the field as well, and a, a gym session, I, I was lying in bed one night and my, my groins and legs were tender and sore because I pushed myself a bit hard and I was rubbing my groin and I found it lump in my groin. Now I say a lump now, it's only it's no, no bigger than the size of a smarty. But a typical man, you'll just squeeze and see if any pus come out, like, but nothing happened. So I paid no heed to it. So a couple of weeks passed and that, that lump is still there. So I decided to go to see Dr. Loftus in uh, Drumshambo. And Loftus of me was the Leitrim team doctor, so he knows all me bumps and bruises. He wasn't sure what it was, but he thought it was a thing called a gangline, where it's a stress on your legumes from practicing with kickouts. No, but he referred me to a specialist in uh, Sligo. I went in there and I seen the doctor Martin Codwell, and he had a look at it. He said it was a look as a lump. Uh, we'll remove it, and as a simple operation, and we'll we'll send you off results. So I had the operation on a Friday morning. After that, he ha- he said, "Look, the lump's gone now." You can go home now and we'll let you know the results in two weeks' time. That's very good. I said, good luck to you and we'll see you in two weeks' time. I went about my, about my business. I was a painter at the time and Tuesday morning, the phone call from the hospital came. And it's from Martin Codwell. He says, your results are back. Any chance you come in, we'll have a chat. I said, fair enough, no problem at all. And I went in anyway. I was working a slag at the time. I went to the hospital and I went up the stairs and... You know, and he says, well, just what did they find? Like, you know, but little did they know the news he's going to tell me is going to change my life forever. He sat me down and he, anyway, and he says, your results are back. And he says, you have a testicular cancer. And straight away, I went into a daze. I went into a daze, I was thinking of death. And I says, oh my God, what am I going to do? And, you know, that went on for, say, two, three minutes. And the doctor was ranting and raving. I actually asked him to repeat himself because I didn't know what he was saying. Were you on your own when you got this diagnosis, Martin? And he took the words of my mouth. It's the first time I went on my own, my only time I went on my own. And that's one part of the talks. I, I always tell people, if you're going for results, bring somebody with you. And he says, look, we're, we're at the early stage. If you're going to get cancer, it's the best one to get because of the high rate of success it has. To me, myself, I had cancer. I couldn't get away from it. The fact is I could be dying. We had to go for an ultrasound anyway and I had to wait for a few hours for that to get booked in. So I went off for a cup of tea anyway and I rang home and we had a chat and all that, you know, to, to tell the news that I got. And I was told, look, you're not on your own. You're going to have supportive family and friends, but don't dread it. You, this, this, you're not going to fight this on your own. That gave me a bit of help, but at the back of my mind, I couldn't get out of my head. I had cancer. I could be thinking of death. So the time for the, the ultrasound came anyway and I went down for that anyway and found more cells in my testicle. So it's confirmed I had definitely had testicular cancer. The next step after that was to 
to remove the, the testicle. Now he thought it was just a simple operation, remove the testicle in Bob's uncle. It was a big enough procedure, it had to be done down in Galway. And I waited for a couple of weeks of that for that, um, for the date. And I got a letter in the post to say that my procedure's going to be on a Monday morning. And uh, you'd be up and early, come up Sunday night or Monday morning to get to bed and have the procedure. Friday evening, I finishing off a job in Sligo. And I get a phone call from Galway Hospital to say there's a bed available. And I says, right, okay. Oh, jeez, I have a match on Sunday. And I says, right, I think of this quick now. Says, yes, I can come up to the hospital on Friday. Can I do a bit of shopping on Sunday because I'll have no, no clothes with me? The doctor says, that's no problem at all. That's grand. So, because me and football are twins, like, you know, it's my. It's and my still playing with Clongish in Longford at this stage. Mm. And, and the game, I presume, was in Longford as a result of that. It was a uh, little before it was in Ballymahan. We were playing Ballymahan on a Sunday afternoon. And, like I said, me and football are, are, are twins, like, me and G are twins. Like, it's my drug, like, and if I don't have it, I am, I'm, I'm a lost soul. So, that's grand. I had me bag packed off for the week's day in the hospital, I had me bag packed off for the match on Sunday. I went down and I got me bed and that's that Friday evening. And Sunday morning came and I was going to put my plan into action. I said to the nurse, I'm going downtown to do a bit of shopping, inverted commas. That's no problem, the doctor says you can do that. So I signed a bit of paper and I hopped in the car and I drove down from Galway to Ballymander to play the match. The manager knew I wasn't going to be around for the rest of the year, so he decided to put Stephen Waters in goals. And I was sub. and I didn't mind that, but it hurt a small bit. But the game wasn't going away and we were losing the game at half time. And they decided to put me in goals and Stephen out the midfield and we won the game. It was great in one way to won the game, but in another way, it was emotional for me because I knew that would be my last game. And I gave the lads a bit of a speech and all that. And the manager said a few words and I got very emotional, but I did what I did anyway. So I got back to the hospital anyway and thank God uh, nobody copped on there, no shopping bag with me. You went through the, the procedure testicle removed yeah I, I knew what was, what was heading me as regarding removing on the testicle but uh, you know you know yourself when you wake up and from the procedure and all that is it a long enough uh, operation obviously you put your hand down and next thing you realize one of your testicles is gone now it's a strange feeling to wake up when you when your when your testicle is gone like you know uh, i'm used to it now and like you know but sometimes they say little john john is on his own down there you know so uh, but uh, it's, it's, it is what it is like you know uh, sometimes when, I, when I'm still playing and diving and all that you know the, the te- one testicle swinging about on his own like you know so he, he lost a room down there so getting a testicle removed and football is a contact sport was it sensible to continue on playing football I know there was a recovery period what was the medical advice on that were they telling you that maybe look at you have the memories of football now considering what you've gone through it might be time maybe to concentrate on management. I don't think I was ever told that, but I have this thing in my head. If a doctor had told me to stop playing football, I, would, I think I'd be an open ED myself like again, like, you know, because it'd be a big row. Uh, no, uh, nobody did tell me to stop because I think um, you live in your, own, your normal life after that. It's up to yourself if you want to stop playing football, but I couldn't see myself doing that. And regarding you know, the, the, the contact sport in GA, sometimes I do get hit down there after the mm-hmm. procedure, but <laughs> as some smart ass says, look, I, he, he's only one testicle I come back I says uh, well I've only half the pain the chemo's after after the testicle removed like you know and that's very very tough uh, as most people know their chemo's not nice like it's, it's poison going in your system trying to kill all the cancer cells and uh, I was flushed out I got a lot of treatment in the space of three months um, what I got is say just say for argument's sake what I got in one week uh, somebody might get over two or three months I got flushed out and it absolutely drained me and it killed me that I wasn't able to go back playing for even for a few weeks after after chemo. But in fairness, the the club in uh, Tungish helped me a lot. 
did uh, and the clubbing calf in particular because after my third round of chemo I was so sick John I was in agony pain and diarrhea and puke and I was at my lowest lowest form in my life I was even thinking of death because just give me the pearly gates of heaven I'll go peacefully but I got a phone call from a club in Cavan to ask me how I was doing and all that first of all but I knew he rang for a reason and I asked him what do you want and he says oh, no it's okay and I says what do you want and he says look we've training tonight what time is it at I says at 8 o'clock I'll be there at half 7 I says sure I says yes I will I sure enough I had this little pep in my step to get off my ass to do something so we went up anyway and I got to, to a, a Cushlock Killinleck and I gave him a session on that and I knew I pushed myself because I was sick on the way home but when I got home I, I, I felt good because I, I knew I wanted to be there I said right go see my teammates in Longford I went to see Clungishton that Friday night and like that they were going through a phase of oh, I do want to go train and I was so back I can't train because I've so legs so the manager Liam Doherty asked me to say a few words to them so I gave him a merciful speech at, at, at that training session and I says look whatever happens lads I'm going to be there at every game if I bring the bed with me, I'd be there. I sure enough things were going well and we got to the final. We drew the first game and a second in the replay I tugged out. Now I said to Stephen, look Still in two thousand and nine. Still in two thousand and nine. And it's all in like in a short space of time. I wanted to tug out and maybe get on to the field in the last few seconds of the game of winning the game by by a lot. But the game wasn't going away. And at half time the game was three three at each were playing through Mard. The blame game was on, a typical dressing room fashion, like everybody blame everybody. And I was sitting in the corner and I, I said, I couldn't take this anymore. So I lit the roof of my language. I more or less says, look, get out there and give me the game of your lives. And sure enough, they went out and want to give me a point. And I was going around patting, patting everybody in the back and all that. And Paul Barden, the legend that is, uh, grabbed me by the shoulder and told me, I'm going up to lift a cup with him. So I sat bawling my eyes out. I said, no, this is your day. Oh, no, that's some speech you gave us at half time. So sure enough, I went up the steps anyway and looked down at the crowd and sure enough, the cup was in hand. And when I lofted that cup, the cup with, with Paul Barton, right there and then I knew about cancer. Being true what I've been through for the months before that, you know, I wasn't thinking of death and I wasn't thinking of diarrhea and all that. But that moment, lifting that cup with Paul Barton was one of my proudest moments of my life. While being busy with the promotion of his new book, given the health talks and working in Sligo University Hospital, Martin also finds time for a Connacht Club Intermediate Semi-Final, where his club, Ochnishilin, are taking on St. Dominic's of Roscommon. Ochnishilin won the Leitrim Intermediate Football Championship in 2022 after beating Anna Duff in the final. Martin is goalkeeping coach and substitute goalkeeper on the team, he was goalkeeper on the Ochnishielan team that won the title in 2017. He started that particular season as third-choice keeper. However, with typical Martin McHugh determination, he ended up being numero uno and secured his first-ever championship medal with his home club. As the games went on and the championship went on, we were on the group stages and we didn't want to lose any games. And we were playing well, beating teams fairly well and all that. But one game in particular, we were struggling. I could see Dean making a few mistakes and pressure coming on. And sometimes goalkeepers can't handle pressure. And that's where you really need somebody with a level head, like, you know, keep things calm. 20 minutes ago in the game, we're losing to a team by, say, two points. But we, even though we were qualified for the qualifying, we didn't want to lose any games in the championship campaign. Martin, warm up. I says, here we go again. But I was ready. But only this time, I was, my nerves were kicking in, I was butterflies around on me. 
Why? I think the fact is, I, I, I'd been through what I'd been through. I'm, I'm, I was heading for 47 years old. And I knew, I know I, I was playing with lads 20, 25 younger, younger than me, like, you know, so. And this is high championship pace. Most games, even a challenge game, I can be nervous, like, you know, but you just want to go in and go, put in a good performance because y- your standards had to be high. In my own head, I had my own high standards all the time. And that's why I was lepping and jumping on the sideline. And the funny thing was, I don't think anybody knows this, I was twisting and turning and, and getting me my joints warmed up I twisted my ankle on the sideline I said oh Jesus what's going to happen here but lucky enough it wasn't too bad I just shook it off like you know and we ended the goals anyway and we were I think it was just 3-4 kickers but with them 3-4 kickers we, we scored a goal and two points so we won the game and that was my chance and it was in the quarterfinal for the, for the, in goals for the quarterfinal the semifinal and the final and it was great excitement in one way around the village that uh, we're in a county final the first one since 2008 for myself, it was my first home county final. And it was great to go down to Ockenshiel and train and the flags around the parish and all that and banners and all that. Yes, I had it in Clungish, but in Clungish was my, was my adapted club. But for me, it was my home parish and people looking up to me and all that, what I've been through and my age as well. And then the county final came itself anyway. And, you know, I was calm. And like, I wasn't one bit nervous at all. It was just focused. And, you know, we, we were doing our warm up and all that and we were in the dress room and David Casey was doing his talk and then David as usual went on a little bit longer we were supposed to be out in the field at a certain time and sure enough and it was time to go out and we had to, had to wait we had to wait in a tunnel for maybe another 30 seconds and I knew the lads behind me were going to be really really nervous I turned around to them as right lads be ready for this now we go run out to the merciful cheer our supporters going to support us on this, this day let's make this happen let's enjoy this and sure enough we ran out to a merciful cheer I get so hooked up and getting ready for a game and all that all me, me energy all me passion all me drive goes into the one hour's football 50 minutes into the game we're ahead by two points we're ahead by two points and I said God bro, I think we're going to win this game we're going we're gonna to win and the emotions took over oh calm down calm down calm down to myself like you know and we, we, we kept going all that and all that and next thing about two minutes ago we're ahead by two points I mean, one at a time, and the pressure really on because Leitrim Gales were really coming at us. But Leitrim Gales started losing their head. But I said, right, a minute ago, next thing you heard, two minutes of injury time. We're going to win. The motions took over again, like, you know, oh, calm down, calm down, calm down, you know. And next thing, there was a row going on, and Gareth Foley, I think, was going to have enough. And then Leitrim Gales had another, another uh, kick out, and another row broke up, and Gareth Foley blew the whistle. Enough of this game over. While well, I fell on my knees with pure emotions and not to the fact that it, 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 yes we won the game but for me personally that I, I put so much energy in my body for that year to get ready to get fit you can't just win the goals and just kick the ball out you had to have be your body ready for your, your fitness side of things your mental side of things and all that what I've been through for the testicular cancer in 2009 the prostate cancer in 2016 little did I know that in 2017 I'd be going up the steps to receive a cup and that's why I went down on my knees and cried like a baby when you talk to GA people from anywhere and mention the name of Martin McHugh he is always remembered from that famous Connacht Championship winning team of 1994 the team that went on to play Dublin in the All-Ireland semi-final that year. The breeze, we think, is a cross-field. Won't be of any great assistance to either team. And the kick-out coming up for Martin McHugh, the Ochtnashielan, 5'7", goalkeeper on the Leitrim team. The goal on the right, the Canal goal. 
A great day for Leitrim and a great day for football as Martin McHugh's kick will drop about 60 yards out. In the Stenson is the current chairman of the Leitrim County Board. He has many memories of Martin from his time as a young goalkeeper that despite playing with a small club, still managed to go on and represent the county at various levels. I have been refereeing since back in the 80s and Martin McHugh was coming along then as a young fella and I, I, I distinctly remember that extremely loud shout from the goals. A scream, you could nearly say. He kept the defenders all on tow. He kept everything on tow. That was back in when Ockham had a pretty, you know, average team at the time. He was recognised for his ability at minor and at under-21 level. He's an infectious individual. He's very likeable. He loves the game, he loves the sport. It was a huge achievement for Martin McHugh to have been in goals for Leitrim. He even says in his book he was a bit disappointed with his own game that day. But like, it was a huge step for Leitrim people. We hadn't, even the supporters, we had never seen this before. Everything about it was new. Martin should never even attempt to blame himself with that because it was such an experience. And, and Martin... What the enjoyment that they brought to Leitrim people. And he has brought, and he still brings it to Leitrim people. After having recovered from his medical procedure and that brush with cancer in 2009, Martin decided to change careers and embark on working in the medical sector himself. He managed to secure an agency job that would place him in Sligo University Hospital. Before taking up that position, Martin had to undergo the usual medical checks. Get a letter from the doctor to say I'm healthy. I go down to the doctor tenancy and it's like go there. Look, I'm, I'm getting a job in the hospital and I need a letter from me saying I'm healthy and all that. Oh, well done, Martin. Fair play to you. How do you feel? Well, I feel great. I feel mighty. Okay, let's have a look at your screen here. I see you had your blood taken two weeks ago. I did. And I said, let's have a look here. And she so said, oh, your kidney's okay. Your liver's okay. Your cholesterol's up. Yeah, I know, doctor. I'm a bit on the fast side. Yes, Martin, you are. We'll have to do something about that. And your PSA is up. I said, what, what's PSA? And she said, it's related to your prostate. And I said, what's your prostate? Most men don't know what PSA is or don't know what a prostate is. It was the blood test that detected, first of all, something was wrong. Obviously, prostate examinations are important. But at the same time, you know, the importance of having bloods done on a regular basis you're after, in many ways, emphasising a very important fact there too. This is a big factor. I mean, a lot of men don't actually go to the doctor till their leg is hanging off. And the first thing is done is your, your bloods are taken. I call it a full MOT. Your liver, your kidneys, your bloods, your heart, your PSA. My number was only two. You know, which is nothing, like it's nothing compared to other numbers out there, like the 15s and the 20s and the 30s. But because of my past history, she decided to, look, we do another blood test to see what's going on, like, you know. And in my next two or three blood tests after that, my blood's rising. And I felt no pain, no aches, no nothing. I was working away and I was playing football. I was back playing my club in, in Ockenshiel and transferred back at the time. And I felt, I felt mighty. On my third checkup, my number was like six or seven. So they decided to send me down to the rapid prostitute in Galway and to the specialist to deal with prostate. And we're down there anyway, and my blood would take again. The doctor, the specialist on prostate, decided to check to see what's going on. Now, not being dirty or 
ignorant about it the only way to check the prostate sometimes is, the, is a finger of the bone yes. he did that and no it can be this is a typical man thing it can be invasive but he's very mm-hmm. very professional and all that and sure enough any, uh, he could feel this, the prostate and it felt bit swollen now again it's not giving any definite answer what's going on so the next step was I had to go for a biopsy an appointment came for that anyway and I went down and had a biopsy done on a prostate. There was 16 samples taken on my prostate and I had to wait for about two months after that for the results of that. Again, during the two months, I felt great, no pains, no aches, no nothing, I was playing away and all that. In 2016, um, the results came back, I think around February or March, and I was diagnosed with, no, sorry, it was in around October, November, I was diagnosed with um, prostate cancer. And how that came across, I got a typical phone call again. Uh, can you come down to Galway? We'll have a chat. Your results are back. Now, I had a partner, my partner Linda's with me at the time, so I brought her with me. And uh, other checkups as well, I had my aunt with me. I always had somebody with me. Yeah. This time, I had my partner Linda. And sure enough, he sat me down and he said, Remember now, no matter, we had your prostate. Um, the biopsy your prostate done there your samples come back i'm sorry to tell you, you have prostate cancer and sure enough straight away here we go again death diarrhea puking chemo jesus what's going to happen next but straight away he says you look you're at a good stage we're catching this early you have options ahead of you that's all well and good hearing that but still i say to myself here we go again but the options ahead of that i had i had ahead of me were radiotherapy bracket therapy and robotic surgery now, each one of them were explained to me properly. Like, as in regard to radiotherapy, you're zapping in the, that area of the prostate, it would kill the cancer cells. Bracket therapy is, is a, a treatment out there where these radioactive seeds are put, put in your prostate. Bob Junkle and you go ahead by your normal life, the seeds do the job. Robotic surgery is where they get rid of the cancer altogether and you go back to your normal life. But again, I had to go down with several, several more appointments too to see which will go me my best option. The prostate had to be measured. The, to suit if it's going to suit the bracket therapy, and I read read up bracket therapy. Doctor Google Google came in there came in handy a few times as well. Something you're always told to avoid. Yes, and I, <laughs> absolutely. Because I stand by that. Because looking at Doctor Google, you'd be given ten different options under one subject. But in this case, no, I didn't really look into it much because thank God I didn't. Because um, if I listened to Doctor Google, I could have gone a different way altogether. But I was full sure I was going for the bracket therapy because the prostate, this is the big thing about the prostate. The prostate was the right size to what that was suited for for um, bracket therapy. It'd be done, you'd be out two, three days, and you go back working and playing football and all that. Normal life. And was this what the what the, the doctors were advising in Galway? No, this this is a good one now. People have to listen to the doctors. They they, they they advise you, they give you their professional opinion, and you should, it's up to you to take the right option. I was full sure where I was going for bracket therapy because football is in my life again and I want to go back playing football. Radiotherapy wasn't going to be suited because uh, bracket therapy was the, was the way to go, I thought. I went down to Dr. Durkin and I told him, look, I, just, I might be going this way, just have the bracket therapy. He said, you can go to have if you want, but, this is the big but, the seeds will do the job, your cancer will be gone, but your prostate is still there. The cancer could come back in 5, 10, 15 years time. And if it does, it's a bigger procedure than to remove the prostate. As now, your, your, your prostate is like a small egg in a pan. It's a flat egg. You can take it out and Bob's uncle. But if you have the bracket therapy and, it's, and your prostate comes back, it's like removing scrambled eggs of a pan. It's a bigger operation, more severe in the body and longer recovery. He, he did go on and say, like, if you have the bracket, the robotic surgery, it's a three, four day 
resting period in the hospital. It's like these needles going into your, your stomach, pump up your with, with gas, get at the prostate, take it out, and send the, send the, the prostate away down to the rats or down to the sewer if you want, but your prostate is gone. Now, the big thing is you have side effects after, but that's a whole different issue altogether. You, you get over that, you know. I said to myself, geez, what a decision to make. Like, you know, bracket therapy, go back playing football in two weeks, or have the robotic surgery, and not play football again for the rest of the year, and have side effects. But it was my, it was my decision. I, I was thinking of, like, look, if I have the bracket therapy, I can go back playing football in two weeks' time. If I have the operation, remove the prostate, I have no f- football again for another year. You know, that was killing me, but... I, I copped on like, <laughs> like, a, like a bottle of wine. I was getting more sense and getting more mature, you know. <laughs> so I said, look, I, 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 at this stage, I, I was 46 when it was, when was, when was confirmed at prostate and having an operation at 46. What more can I do when 46 years old? So I thought. <laughs> but, um, no, I decided in the end to, because I asked a few people that I knew, and one or two doctors in the hospital as well, as getting well-known in the hospital, for their opinion. And mm-hmm. everybody says, if you were chance to get rid of a lump, get rid of a lump. When I went back to the, the, the Dr. Doc and he says, look, good decision. So lo and behold, anyway, it was time I got a letter from the the hospital for my appointment. I was told originally I was going to be going to Sligo Uni- the Galway University Hospital to recover. I'd be brought over to the private clinic to have the operation where the, where the setup is, Galway Hospital to recover. I got a letter from the clinic to arrive at my appointment on a Monday. That's wrong. I'm supposed to be going to Galway Hospital. I arrived at the clinic. And you know, anybody knows that Galway Clinic is, 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 is a fine, fine spot. Yeah. You can eat your dinner off the floor, like, you know. And uh, he went in anyway, and um, I look around, and this big piano in the, in the foyer and all that, you know. Time be called in anyway, and he asked the receptionist, and am I here for this procedure? Yeah. Yes, you are. You're an outpatient from Galway Hospital, but we're going to keep you here for a few days. Oh, that's great. And I thought I was going, that's grand. So I might get a, a public public ward with four or five people in yeah. as well. I go up to level two anyway, and lo and behold, I go into this big room with a one bed of my own. <laughs> And a very fancy spot too with, with towels at the end of the bed and a, a sachet on top of soaps and shampoos. So anyway, I said, there's something wrong here somewhere. The, the, advantage, the advantage of working in Sligo Hospital came in handy because there was a big outbreak of a bug in, in Sligo Hospital about two or three months before that. The Galway Clinic would take a precaution just in case I was a carrier to give me a room on my own. Now I felt good because all it, I had all the tests and all that and the, and the swabs and everything came back clear. But I said, thank God they had this book in the hospital. They would not get this treatment. <laughs> but it sort of uh, relaxed me for the, the procedure I had anyway. So you, you had the procedure. And talk to me about the aftermath of that, the recovery process after that match <coughs> in 2016. You're given all these, uh, all these um, scenarios that was going to happen. But the biggest one for the removal of the prostate is the side effects. First of all, I had to wear a catheter for a week for the insides to heal up and because of the prostate is gone you're going to be incontinent for a couple of weeks if not a few months after and that's a bigger side effect you're dribbling it can be embarrassing and all that you know but again the nurses and doctors are very very professional and a way to explain entity and all that i went home for the weekend here and you know it's a bit awkward wearing a catheter for a week but you walk around and this excuse the language just piss bag on your leg like you know but after a day or two you get used to it and all that you know so it's time to go back to Galway and get the catheter removed again she gave me pamphlets and leaflets on all these side effects and these exercises to do to help build up the muscles again they call them pelvic floor exercises so like squeeze the cheeks of your ass and hold for a few seconds let go again 
in 2022, as we're recording this, you've just gone through another intermediate championship as a goalkeeping coach this time. You haven't made any cameo appearance as of no. yet, unless something changes now in the in the kind of club championship game that's coming up this weekend. But I remember from doing the streaming commentary that day, and there was a great close-up that Brian Blake, who was our cameraman on the day, caught at the end of the game, where you were embracing the goalkeeper who was taken over from you, somebody that you worked with, maybe somebody we could say that was a, a prodigy of Martin McHugh's. And there was a lovely close-up shot on screen Screen where the two of you embraced and I could see that emotion that's coming through that you, you've spoken about here Well, I got a few games during the year in, in the league and in the junior league you know because Kevin was around for one or two of the games but when the championship came he worked really hard what I could say about Kevin was it was last year he came on board he wanted to give goals a go for a while because he, he felt he wasn't good enough for our field and says, no, better man to train you. You know, and I remember his first session. I was right here. These are just simple drills and all that. I kick a few at you. We do a few dives and all that. Just see what you like. Well, he was absolutely red raw useless. <laughs> you know, I says, oh, my God, have I to work with this fella? But I give him full credit. Like, you know, he worked and he worked and he worked. And I've been coaching goalkeeper for 20 years and a lot of success out there with, with, with teams and all that. Not giving him a big head, but he's my number one because from where he came from where he is now, this year alone we worked really, really hard. And again, I was quite happy to be number two, but then again, you never know what a goalkeeper could be a black card or, a, or an injury and all that. You know, sometimes Kevin can lose a head too. He got a few yellow cards. He's more yellow cards in one year than you have him 40 years of playing football. <laughs> you know, so, but, uh, I had to do the training as well but I got to give him credit he worked his ass off for me this year I was very proud of him and like you says when the game was over and the fact is I knew I know this is my last year I cannot give any more to the club or county anybody else out there last year as a player as last year as a player because for the first time this year there's times I was leaving the house and I said to myself what the hell am I doing driving down on a wet evening we're doing these long runs and all that we call them 15 second runs or 20 second runs it's 15 seconds on 15 seconds off 8 times I might do 6 and in the middle of the 6 I may spew my guts up what am I doing 52 years old what the jeez am I doing I know that when the final whistle went there a couple of weeks ago winning the 2022 uh, the, the, the county championship I was so proud of Kevin I was so proud of myself that I did what I did for one more year it's nice just to finish off with middle number 20 In the situation that if Ocknashina were to be beaten and there's no more games what's that going to be like? Well, I will stay involved coaching and managing and working with goalkeepers because there, there is a, a, a line out there for go- working with goalkeepers That'll feed the habit? Oh, they'll, 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 they'll uh, fill the gap. It's going to be very, very emotional because I know I'm going to walk on the middle of the field and I know this, that will be my last stand in the middle of the field as a player. Unfortunately for Martin and his Ocknashieland teammates, it was not to be the fairy tale finish that they so badly craved as the Leitrim champions were defeated by St Dominic's who went on to contest the provincial final against Dunmore McHale's. Martin made no late appearance from the bench and could only look on as the men from Knock Crockery went on to claim the spoils. Look at this for a run being made here by Keen Kelly. Oh, what a ball. The ground. Lovely ball inside. Opportunity of a goal. second match as Derek Keenan slots the ball into the back of the Even though it was 1994 when Leitrim last won the Connacht Senior Football Championship, the players from that side have secured hero status in the county. Even today, Martin gets approached by supporters that want to congratulate him on making a contribution to that success. Martin holds fond memories from the celebrations that followed the 1994 Connacht Championship triumph. 
scenes he fears may never be repeated again in Leitrim. I work at a hospital and there's people saying, saying to me, I said, are you Martin McEwen? I says, yeah. Oh, let me shake the hand of a legend, like, you know, so, which is nice to hear. But yeah, we, we, we celebrated that, that evening. Um, we arrived back in Carrigan Shannon and um, John was always a great man for doing things, but telling nobody. He'll always have plans made. And we got back to Carrigan Shannon. We got off the team bus and got onto an open, uh, a, double, a double-decker bus, an, an open-top bus. And uh, it was funny in one way that we drove drove around Carrigan Shannon, you know, only takes five minutes. I think we'd done two laps, it took maybe four or five hours. And, you know, it, it was great for the Leiton supporters to see and greet the players and all that, that even, like, you know, like, even to this day and forever, like, you know, we will be heroes, like, and, and it's something I think we, we'll never see again. Just for one day